right, good morning. morning. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, if you will. Um, Many of you know we were on vacation last week and have been asking how it was, and it was was great. We had a good time, and it's just like always, uh, vacation wore wore me out, so um, we were busy, and and, uh, we went on vacation with a couple of family friends from Indiana from the church we were at there, Fairhaven, and uh, it's good good uh, to see them and also good to know that there are still other families uh, outside of our church that are doing everything they can to raise their kids for God, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, um, soldier, the metaphor of, of a Christian being a soldier, and, and I think uh, sometimes we forget in the daily, at least I do, uh, in the daily um, task of raising our kids, that we're raising soldiers for Jesus Christ. We're not just trying to raise kids that will obey. That's good, and that's what, that is part of the goal. Um, and we're not just raising kids that will uh, be responsible or kids that will, be, um, that will love God. We're raising soldiers for Jesus Christ. Uh, there comes a time for every soldier when he's got to retire, right, in the, in the military or whatever else. They're, not that they're useless, but they just can't do what the young guys can do. And so they, they either go to a training uh, position or they retire altogether. Um, and that is, is, is somewhat what it is for Christians. And we have to raise the next generation uh, to pick up that baton and carry on the work of God. So it was good uh, during vacation. It was good to see some of our friends doing that exact same thing. Uh, we're trying to raise their boys. All of them had boys. Emma was the only girl uh, there. So we were talking about that. The oldest boy was is uh, 13, and then the rest of them are around Emma's age. But we were like, eh, if we do this again in three years, um, well, I don't know how it's going to work with all them, uh, you know, teenage boys running around. But uh, we'll see. But we had a good time. Um, PSA announcement, too, Brother Kevin. The law went into effect yesterday right with the cars on the side of the road if you see a car is it only with its hazards on or is it just a car in general or am i catching you off guard (laughs) i know it went into effect yesterday you got to move over or you can risk getting a ticket so a little psa announcement there it's not just for police anymore it's for for all vehicles on the side of the road but second timothy chapter two is where we're going to start i got lots of verses uh today that i would like to read well, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, let's, let's review just real quickly. We are on week four, but we've already had four lessons because the first one had two metaphors in it. So can anybody tell me which ones we've talked about already? Any one of the four. Don't have to be in order. Miss Barbara? Salt. We talked about being salt, a Christian being salt, correct? Somebody else? Light. Light. Those, are the, those are the two that were together. Brother Kevin? Farmer. A farmer. That was last week, and what was the one before... Or no, was that? That was two weeks ago. Last week then was, was Barbara? Husbandman. That was the farmer. farmer. Yep, that was the farmer. And we had one more in there. I'm pretty sure it was, it was last week. The student. Very good. We got all four of them. So salt, light, uh, farmer, and student. Uh, and today we're going to talk about a soldier. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Hopefully you're there. Verses, verse, verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in 
Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. <clears throat> and this is, this is a perfect example of the metaphors that we're looking at. We do not uh, fight for Christ the same way that a soldier fights for his country. Uh, you think about in the medieval times, the, uh, the um, um, what were they called, Miss Barbara? Help me out. When they would, yeah, well, when they would go, when they came over to the Holy Land to try to conquer crusaders. it, the Crusaders. We're not, that's not what we're doing. The Crusaders were trying to fight for, for land and uh, under the, under the uh, banner of the church. But we're a little bit different. So it's very much a metaphor in, in our fight for Jesus Christ. Um, but we, but we, we can, we can um, use a soldier for a lot of comparisons for what we, are, what we are to do. A soldier, think about this, does his duty regardless of circumstance and in spite of the difficulties. When he gets... When he gets a command, an order, he does it. And sometimes those orders are things he even disagrees with or doesn't like or for sure are hard to do, but he does them because he's under uh, the command uh, of, of those that are over top of him. Well, the Christian life is the same way. Sometimes in a message, God calls us to do something or uh, when we surrender to him, that's that's the metaphor that we see here with being a soldier. We're surrendered to whatever, whatever our captain wants us to do, whatever Jesus Christ wants us to do. And we may hear something in a message that we're like, that we just don't like or don't want to do. But when you see it in the Bible and it's something that we are commanded to do, we do it. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, though, I think, I think part of the problem with, with uh, Christians, myself included, is we forget sometimes because we can't see uh, that war um, around us. I told you about the, the metaphor of, uh, that, that uh, John Bunyan wrote, uh, the invisible war. I think that's part of the problem that we have. We can't see that war raging around us, and so we, we sometimes forget that it's a reality. Sometimes maybe we doubt that it's reality. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, I, and, and look at this verse. I think sometimes we forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We could put back in there, but we wrestle against uh, principalities, against powers. I think sometimes the, the emphasis is we're not wrestling flesh and blood. It's against principalities, it's against Satan. But I think an emphasis can be made here that we are wrestling against that. Um, I looked it up because I, I, I didn't know all the, for sure all the specifics and I wanted to be right. But does anybody know how long a soccer game? Brother Josh, are you back there? He's not. He's a soccer player. There is a, does anybody know how long a soccer match, a football in Europe, but a soccer match lasts? Anybody? Yes, it's an hour and a half. So two 45-minute halves. Uh, and, and soccer, I, I didn't remember it being that long in high school, and I looked that up. It's not. You can change the times. They just have to be equal halves. So I think we used to do two 30-minute halves. But a real soccer match is an hour and a half long. Um, does anybody know how long a basketball game is? They're in quarters, 
and they're different for, for youth and, and high school and all that, but an NBA game is four 12-minute quarters, so 48 minutes, all right? Uh, 48 minutes, they're, they're out there playing. Does anybody know how long a football game is, uh, American football? <laughs> well, it lasts three and a half hours, but it's <laughs> the time is only 60 minutes, right? Uh, does anybody know how long a, a wrestling match is? Six minutes. It's only six minutes long. You know why? Because it's so hard. You're using every muscle in your body. I used to wrestle, and I won't, I won't you know, tell any stories about that, but six minutes feels like eternity. And I read this little thing. Uh, it's a quote. I'm not sure from who, but it said, During a wrestling match, you will often be so exhausted that you are relying purely on muscle memory. Uh, and that's true. Uh, when you, you get to the, that third period, you can't breathe. It, it's amazing how quickly exhausted you can be in five or six minutes. Um, I saw this. So we all grew up wrestling. So a couple of my friends uh, that were uh, on vacation with us, one's, one's my age in his mid-30s. The other one's still a young guy. He's, he's in his 20s. And he kept – it was so funny because maybe I used to be like this. I don't know. But every time something happened, he wanted to wrestle everybody. And we're like <laughs> – his name's Jake. Jake, stop. You know, we're, we're old. We can't do that anymore. Well, they, he kept going after everybody. N not mean, just, you know, well, we'll wrestle for it to see who goes first. And we're like, you can just go first. <laughs> we don't want But the one time, so we were on the lake, and there was a dock there. And he kept, he tried to get every, he kept tackling people and picking them up and jumping off in the water with it, you know, the guys. And uh, a couple times he got into a wrestling match. And it took about 20 seconds for both of them to be so tired they, they're just laying on the dock, completely exhausted. My point is, wrestling against Satan, it, it's real, exhausting, tiring work. Uh, and, it, and it involves an intense struggle. And so if we're going through our Christian life and we don't feel any of that struggle, are we wrestling? Are we doing what we're supposed to do in our fight against Satan? Um, during Paul's time, and there's still to this day a form of wrestling called Greco-Roman wrestling, um, and it's all upper body. You don't do uh, in regular wrestling. You can you can grab legs and all the rest of that. Greco-Roman is only upper body. It's all throws, and uh, it comes from this time period during Paul's during Paul's day. The Greeks and the Romans uh, would would have these games and they would wrestle. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, there was there was real consequences for the outcome of a of a wrestling match. The the victor, the winner would receive praise. He would even get to go often before the emperor or whoever uh, was was the king at that time or the the uh, power a higher power would get to go before them and get the rewards and and often you know all of their uh, what we would call maybe insurance today they would get all of that kind of thing taken care of. It was there was monetary gain, but I thought this was interesting. The loser could have his eyes gouged out or worse. So there were serious consequences. Why they would do that, I don't know. I think, I think it was kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the arena where they would take slaves and have them wrestle against some of the uh, elite wrestlers, and it was more for sport. Um, but they could have their eyes gouged out or, or even worse, maybe even killed for losing a wrestling match. And uh, I think that's why Paul uses wrestle here. There are serious consequences in this wrestling match we have against Satan. Um, it, it's, we are fighting for our, our spiritual life, uh, wrestling against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
So <clears throat> we're going to talk about wrestler that's not a wrestler, even though that's a good, a good metaphor. We're going to talk about soldiers this morning. So a strong soldier, let's get right into it. We have to be a strong soldier. And there's only one way or two ways to get strong. Think about a baby. What do they have to have in order to grow? They've got to have nourishment, right? So diet is the first thing. Uh, new, new recruits in, in the military go through boot camp, right? And the, and the main goal of their boot camp is to get them ready for their assignment that they're going to be going to. Um, and so uh, a lot of them come in, and I think it's funny, you know, you hear this often. Uh, people will say, I went to the military, so I wouldn't have to be told what to do anymore. Uh, they come in with an attitude and with their own haircut and with, you know, the, with their idea of what they're going to do. And the military, in those 11 weeks of boot camp, just breaks them down and, and makes them a Marine or whatever they're, they're going to be. And uh, they go through this training to, to get some exercise and to get some strength, to get some muscle so that they can be ready for their assignment later on. But there's two, something more important or also very important with their uh, push-ups and with their pull-ups. They have to eat. If they don't eat, uh, you're not going to make a soldier. You're going to make uh, a, a, uh, somebody coming out of, a, out of a concentration camp, right? Those guys worked hard, very hard, but they didn't eat. And you see pictures of them just starving and emaciated. So we have to have a strong soldier has to have a good diet. And I got a bunch of verses here. Job chapter 23, verse 12. The metaphor here obviously is a diet of God's word. We have to have God's word that we feed on. But Job chapter 23, verse 12 says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Psalm chapter 119. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. This is verse 103. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. This is a command. It's not a, it's not a statement. As newborn babes, we desire the sincere. He's, he's saying as newborn babes, comma, desire the sincere milk of the word. So it's a command here in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I know this is nothing new to us, but, but Psalm chapter 119, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Is that the way God's word is to you? And this is a challenge to me as well. Uh, do you wake up in the morning and esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food? How important is God's word to you? Is this what you're feeding on? Um, I saw somebody put a, uh, a list of things out there that they said uh, helped them greatly in their spiritual life. And one of the things was, for the first 30 minutes that they were awake, they don't touch their phone. It's a habit that we get into. The first thing we do when we wake up, and I know we use it for a clock and, you know, an alarm clock and all the rest of that. But first thing often that we do, we wake up, we get on the phone, we're checking the weather, we're checking, you know, who, who has messaged me and all the rest of that. Uh, do we esteem God's word more than our necessary food? Um, it's something to seriously think about. Uh, with our diet spiritually, um, and I have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of comments here. I'm going to move along, but but one thing that that's very important is that our diet does not consist of uh, mush spiritually, Twinkies and ding dongs and spiritually junk food. That's correct because there's a lot of that out there. 
Um, and I'm not saying that you have to, you know, anything you listen to has to be a message from our pastor, but you should be finding good sources of meat. Um, and one of those is church, obviously, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, Sunday school, really getting meat from God's word. Uh, Bible, uh, Paul said that to, I believe, the Corinthians, but uh, if it wasn't the Corinthian, I know it was Paul. He said, I can't, I can't feed you meat because you can't handle it because you're spiritually your babies. Well, everybody starts there, right? We all start as babies, but we shouldn't stop there. We, we should eventually be getting good, solid meat to be eating uh, spiritually and be able to handle it. Um, but I wrote this down, and, and I asked, uh, I was, when we were on vacation, I asked the guys, you know, if they'd ever heard of a guy named Stephen Furtick, and they hadn't, which I was kind of surprised, but Stephen Furtick, that's junk food at best. Uh, some of these, some of these, uh, I don't even know if they're, they're not even, uh, necessarily neo-evangelical or whatever. They're, they're false teachers. Uh, um, and that's not what we should be feeding on. And unfortunately, you know, when we knock on doors, uh, often you'll hear that, you know, you, you go to church anywhere? No, I listen to, I, I watch church on, on TV. That's, that's not a good place to be getting our spiritual meat. So our diet is important, but secondly, exercise is important uh, to be a strong soldier. And so there's three things we need to exercise. We need to exercise our faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 He's talking about Abraham when he took his son up to the mountain and was going to sacrifice. And Romans chapter 4, verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What is, you know what that means? Abraham was promised a nation through his son. And then God calls him and says, Hey, come sacrifice that son to me. And this is what Romans is saying. Abraham staggered not at that promise. He wasn't thrown off. He wasn't, uh, what am I going to do now? I'm going to sacrifice. It says in, uh, in Hebrews that Abraham knew if God called him to kill his son and actually go through with it, he could raise him from the dead. That was his, the, the faith that he had. But Romans chapter 4 is saying he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We need to exercise our faith. And I think sometimes when God puts us in a position where our faith is about to get exercised, we do everything we can to, to make it work uh, for ourselves. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, if you, if you don't have money for a bill, you don't just well, <laughs> sit on the couch and hope God takes care of that. We do everything we can. But when God puts us in a position uh, to maybe, hey, you know, this, I want you to move to this other church or, hey, I want you to, to jump into this ministry or, or whatever it is. And you think, I, I can't do that. I can't remember Moses. God said, I want you to go and get my people from Egypt and I want you to lead them out. And, he, and what, did, what did Moses do? Excuse after excuse after excuse. I can't do that. I can't do that. God was exercising his faith. And finally, Moses obeys and, and saw huge victories uh, through that, but we have to exercise our faith by by letting ourselves get into positions of discomfort uh, in a good way, so that God can we can see God work. We're in that right now in our church. We have no options really. Uh, we got some things maybe possibly that could work with our with the building uh, or some land. We are exercising our faith. God has to take care of this problem. Uh, and we can, we could go out and make something happen. I, I believe we could. 
but we're going we're gonna, to, we're waiting for God to move. He has something for us, and that's exercising our faith. And we need to put ourselves in positions like that uh, in, our, in our own private lives to exercise our faith. Uh, faith is like muscle. It doesn't grow naturally. It has to be exercised. Uh, think about that. Everybody would love to have bulging muscles, right? Maybe. They love to be fit, put it that way. How about that? We would love to be fit, but it doesn't happen on accident. We have to go out and work at it. We were talking about that in the van on the way here. Uh, we have to go make it happen, and, and everybody wants it to happen, and we may even have good intentions. I'm going to go to the gym starting January 1st. Do we, do we keep it up, or do we go at all? We would love to be fit, but same thing spiritually. You sit in a, on a message, and you hear the pastor you know, uh, challenging us to, to, to holiness and to godliness and to uh, clean our lives out so that we can have that, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're excited about it. But then when we go home, what happens? I'm not saying we don't ever do anything about it, but often... Uh, we just don't exercise that. And, and so our faith doesn't grow because we're not exercising that faith. Uh, second thing is we need to exercise right living. Paul says in Acts chapter 24, and I'm just going to read this one verse and move on, but we exercise right living. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul's saying here in Acts chapter 24, I, I, I do everything I can to live right. And, and the requirement of a pastor is to not have a handle, right? He's got to be blameless. There can't be anything that somebody can latch onto and say, he's a liar or he's, he, he's, he did me dirty in a, in, a, in a business transaction. You can't have anything like that. That's a requirement for a pastor. But we as laymen should be, should be striving for the same thing, practicing and exercising right living. And then finally, uh, another, a third part of our exercise should be godliness. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, but refuse profane and old wives' tales, fables, sorry, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So talking about this metaphor of exercising, it's great to exercise, but it only profits a little bit. But if you're exercising godliness and holiness and, and sanctification and being set apart for God's use, Paul says this in 1 Timothy, that profiteth unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which of that which is to come. Um, and another verse, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, this is, this is a really good verse that we know, but uh, do we practice it? Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those, listen to this, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know how they get better at discernment? By exercising it, by using it. So when you see something that, uh, you know, online or whatever else that you're like, oh, I don't know, you go figure out what the right answer is and exercise that discernment and, and, and uh, it helps you in your Christian life. By, by reason of use, have their senses exercised uh, to discern good and evil. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is a soldier must be single-minded. And I only have three points, and these last two are a little bit quicker, uh, so we'll move through them. But a, single, a soldier must be single-minded. If you're still in 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verses 3 and 4. Thou therefore, 
So, therefore, you go back and look what it's there for, right? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, verse 2, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teachers, teach others also. Thou therefore, in, a, in an effort to do this, to teach others and, and to, to know yourself what you believe, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this, this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He's single-minded. Now, what does the Bible say about a double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways. And that doesn't just mean uh, what he believes uh, in the Bible. He's unstable in all his ways because he's double-minded. He's not sure what he believes. Uh, well, let me try this. Let me try this. A good soldier knows exactly what, what he's doing, what his, what his job is, and he's single-minded. Um, and the way to, first way to be single-minded is to endure hardness. I think, and I, like I said, I'm going to move through these quickly. I have lots of other comments, but I'm going to have to skip. But I think often in, in uh, Christians um, set their mind to do something. I'm going to do this. This year, I'm going to do this. And as soon as it gets hard, we don't do it. And, and it makes us unstable because we're, we don't have this single-mindedness to, in, regardless of how hard it is, and, 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 and believe me, uh, you guys know, when you get busy, it's hard to cut that time out, not just for devotions, but for study and for meditating on God's word and knowing what it says and, and uh, understanding it for yourself or understanding it to be able to teach somebody else. That gets hard um, when we get busy. But, but chapter 2, verse 3, thou therefore endure hardness. And that's not just talking about uh, even when you get busy. It's talking about when you don't feel spiritual anymore. When something comes up and you just don't feel like doing it. Or, or maybe uh, you're getting made fun of at work. It's not, that's not that difficult, but it is difficult. It's, nobody likes to be made fun of. Nobody likes to be uh, the laughing stock, um, but we endure hardness. Uh, maybe it's um, a family, family member that is, A, giving you a hard time, or maybe uh, walking away from the faith that they grew up in. You endure that hardness. Be single-minded uh, in that work. For God, the, the songwriter wrote this, Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? I heard a story one time um, of a guy, and, and he was in military, in Marine boot camp, and he said one of the things they had to do was four guys would carry a stretcher with somebody on it. So another guy would get on the stretcher, and they would carry it, and it was part of their training, part of their uh, exercise, but it was also training them. This may happen one day. You may end up having to carry a guy out of a war zone on a stretcher. And he said it was everybody's man. Everybody fought to get on that on that stretcher because you're not doing anything. You're just you're laying there. And uh, he said he finally got picked one time to to get on that stretcher. And these guys are carrying him, slogging through mud. And you know they finally get to the end, and they're all high fiving. And he said, man, I just did not feel apart. I, I wasn't in that struggle with them. I was just laying there on, on a stretcher. Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? 
when we are involved in the struggle, when we are, when we are fighting alongside of our pastor, fighting alongside of our fellow Christians, we get to be a part of, of the, the um, thrill of, of the victories that we see. Um, and so a, a soldier has to be single-minded and enduring hardness. Um, I'll read this quickly. Uh, part of boot camp, the last part of boot camp. Is anybody, anybody in here gone through boot camp? Okay, so, so there's a thing at the very end of boot camp called the crucible. And what it is is it's basically a final challenge to see if you're worthy uh, to move along. And <clears throat> here's what it says. I've never been through it, uh, but it says this. Uh, this is the final test of everything a re Marine recruit has learned. They'll experience sleep deprivation, food rationing, and a series of intense mental and physical tests that will put an exclamation point on their time in recruit training. By the time the recruit takes on the crucible, they normally have about 11 weeks of solid training behind them, and it will be needed. Tired and hungry, they must work together to overcome extreme challenges or experience the bitterness of failure as an entire platoon. And here's the details of this crucible. It's 54 hours, 54 grueling hours. In this 54 hours, there's a 40-mile hike, stopping at different stations to learn survival and teamwork. Four hours of sleep total in this entire 54 hours. They get four hours of sleep, three meals, and it says it'll be one of the hardest things they'll ever do. Uh, I know Navy SEAL training is the same way. Um, they, they finally do a week where I think they sleep a total of four hours in, uh, in the entire week. Um, but that's, that's the goal is to put them through this intense struggle. And of course, this is in training still to see if they can, if they can, uh, if they'll make it as a Marine and Christians, sometimes God puts us through those things. He puts us through intense trials and this is the real thing. This isn't training. Uh, when we go through them, it's the real, it's the real thing that God allows us to go through to strengthen us, to, to prepare us for something uh, later that we may need to draw on that strength from. And I have lots of verses, but we will endure hardness. The uh, Bible says that uh, you will be persecuted, right? Um, first, Second Timothy chapter 3, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And there's many, many more verses. Second thing is a, a single-minded soldier does is remains free of entanglement. And I'm just going to touch on this for a second. But... <clears throat> Verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I think a perfect example of, of free of entanglement, being single-minded, is the, the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier uh, there in Arlington. Uh, if you've ever been there, everything he does has, significant, has a significance. Uh, 21 steps one way, it's the 21-gun salute, then he turns and faces for 21 seconds, goes 21, seconds, or 21 steps the other way. But you'll notice a, a guard, you'll never see one of those guards itch his nose, right? You'll never see him do anything outside of that, those orders that he's got. And what's the reason? His reason is out of respect for those, for the, for those uh, soldiers that have died and we don't know their names. But we have such a more important uh, calling to remain free of the entanglements of this world. <clears throat> and, and it could be, I, I preached a couple weeks ago uh, on this, it could, doesn't have to be bad things. It could be hobbies, it could be work, it could be uh, money that we need to have that can, that can entangle us 
uh, and get us sidetracked uh, so that we are not uh, single-minded as a soldier anymore. And then quickly, last thing, is a soldier uh, of Jesus Christ is secure. And there's a couple of reasons that we're secure. We're secure in our position. We know exactly where we stand uh, in Jesus Christ. We're not wondering, man, I hope, I'm, I hope uh, that, that I'm Christ. I hope that all these promises in his word are, are going to come true. We, we have to know what we believe and, and uh, through faith, exercising our faith, know that the promises in God's word are going to be uh, fulfilled. If he promised it, he's going to take care of it. Um, so we're secure in our position. Second thing is we're, we're secure in our destination. We know exactly where we're going. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3 says that. In, our, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I know as a kid it crosses your mind, and and kids don't filter things uh, the way we do. Sometimes we think things, and and nobody everybody else has the same question, but we're like, "Ah, I must be the only one that doesn't know that. I'm not going to ask that question. Um, but Emma asked that the other day. Uh, it's probably been a couple months ago. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with uh, questioning something that you've maybe heard in church or whatever else. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says that the Thessalonians did that. They went and looked in their Bibles, looked in the, in the law to see if what they were hearing was true. Uh, but Emma asked us that the other day. She said, Dad, what if heaven's not even really a thing? What if there really isn't heaven? That's a good question. Uh, and, and we started talking about it, and she said, how do we know God is real? How do, we, how do we know? That's our job as parents and as Christians to teach her. And it's, it's, it is an exercise in faith to believe that. But we have to know uh, through what God is teaching us daily and, and through some of the things that he puts us through, we have to know what our destination is. If you're wondering, and I don't mean between heaven and hell, I mean, I don't know if heaven's really a place. What if it's something that's just made up? Then we need to get in God's word and study it and know for sure what our destination is. That uh, makes a strong soldier. Because how strong of a witness are you going to be for Christ if you're not sure yourself? And it's the same way with with teaching. Uh, If you have a topic that you're not for sure about, and I'm my mind goes to Revelation. There's lots of things in Revelation uh, that people are, are conflicted about and, and even pastors have different ideas on. But if you don't know what the Bible says about a topic, how can you go teach that? You can't. Well, the same way with heaven and, and God. How, do you, how can I tell my daughter with 100% certainty, no, Emma, this, this is what we know. This Heaven is real. Here's why. God is real. Here's why. If I'm questioning myself, so a strong soldier knows his destination and also knows his commission. We know what our orders are. Uh, and we see that in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, but I think it's interesting, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you're right around the corner from it. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Go there and we're going to finish with these two verses. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul's telling Timothy, Uh, giving him instruction. And he says this in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He's telling Timothy this, okay? 
So he's, he's telling him, fight the good fight. And then go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So just a couple pages later, probably some time in between these two books. But 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight. This is our commission. This is what we're called to do. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he tells uh, Timothy this. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What Paul preached in his life, he did. Uh, and we see that here in just, just a couple uh, chapters different. But fight the good fight, Timothy. And then at the end of his life, he says, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Uh, I've done what I've been called to do as a good soldier. We are commissioned to do this. We fail in that commission. It has, it has big consequences. We, don't, we stand before God with regrets, uh, with things that we should have <clears throat> earned that we don't, but we also have people that should have been uh, come to heaven with us, should have been saved, that are not because we failed in our commission. Uh, and it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's required in soldiers as well. We've got to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And there's a whole lot to that. We're, uh, we're called to, to raise our kids for God, but one of the, the highest callings we have is to go out and witness for Jesus Christ. Share that love that the world uh, says, well, God is love. He is. Share that love with him and, and share with them the consequences of not accepting uh, that love and that, that sacrifice that he gave us. So uh, <clears throat> we're finished, but the metaphor of a soldier is a privilege. It's a, it's a high honor to serve in God's army. And uh, I think, unfortunately, we lose sight of that sometimes. Uh, and and we see it as a duty rather than an honor uh, to serve the King of Kings. But a soldier, uh, we should be a, a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll be ready for the next hour. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you again for your word. Thank you for all that's in it. God, I pray that we would meditate on it, that we would uh, take the things that we hear, take the things that we read in our own personal devotions, and carry them with us through the day and and chew on them and think about them and uh god that would make us stronger that we'd get every bit of of uh of substance we can out of it uh to to give us the diet that we need so that when we go to exercise our faith we have energy to draw on and uh god that we would know what we believe so that we can teach others so we can teach our kids so we can uh discuss with our friends and be strengthened by it i pray that we would uh, just be a a, a christ-like people that are doing everything we can to live for you and uh, god all the things in this world that that distract us i pray that uh god we would be able to push those aside know what our priorities are know what our calling is and uh and do those uh to serve you as best as we can pray that you'll be with the next hour that you'd fill our pastor with with your power and give him the words that we need to hear in jesus name i pray amen and we're dismissed <laughs>